Hey, Trailblazers, welcome back to the Business Casual Podcast. If you're new here, welcome to the show. My name is Stacey, and I am the co-founder and host of the Business Casual Podcast. Thank you so much for pressing play on today's episode. We're so happy you're here, and it means so much that you're tuning in. If you're not already following us on Instagram, be sure to do that. You can find us at business.casual.podcast. You can also find us on LinkedIn where we post updates on the podcast and you can see a lot more about our guests there. We also just passed 400 followers on LinkedIn, which is very exciting. And if you're feeling generous today, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on either Apple Podcast or Spotify as it really supports us and the podcast. Today's episode is very interesting. We're diving into the world of luxury and all things fashion and beauty with Ingrid Roger. Ingrid was born in the beautiful city of Paris and raised the duality of French Caribbean culture and Parisian tradition. As she grew up in those luxury streets, Ingrid always felt an attraction to this world. She loved the sophistication, the fascinating heritage, the innovation and brand collaborations, the desire to protect craftsmanship, and felt like designers, no matter what their line of art, were always able to express themselves and their creativity through their creations. But deep down, Ingrid felt she didn't belong. She couldn't see herself represented at the head of any of those famous luxury masons. Ingrid graduated with a bachelor's degree in international relations in Paris, then pursued a master's in Canada, and started building a solid career in global commercial banking in Montreal in Quebec. But she never quite felt satisfied and was missing that purpose in her career that she was trying to fill with different positions about diversity in her organizations. As years went by, Ingrid started to see more and more diverse talent represented in luxury. And so she took a leap of faith and applied to the NBA Luxury Brand Management Program at the Essex Business School. I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong, but it's one of the biggest French schools. And Ingrid finally felt she had the opportunity to be heard and was ready to work hard for it. Ingrid was accepted and brilliantly shined through projects and graduated with honors and promised herself she would pave the way for other believers that they could also be in the room. Ingrid created Ink Lux, a consulting agency helping small to medium diverse luxury brand owners to use her expertise to open the door for them. Ingrid also joined LinkedIn for Creators as a spokesperson and is currently working at Blue Blanc Rouge as a senior strategist creating strategies for clients that bring their brand purpose and product story to life. Today's conversation, we're going to deep dive into the world of luxury goods, hearing more about her transition from commercial banking to luxury, as well as what her MBA experience was like, and then what it really means to be in the luxury industry. So without further ado, I'm so excited to welcome Ingrid to the show. Hey, Trailblazers, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to introduce this week's guest, Ingrid. Hey, Ingrid, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How has your September been? Where are you calling from? Because I know you were living in Paris, but then also were living in Toronto for some time. So are you in Paris right now, Toronto? I'm in Toronto right now. So it's the same time as you. And uh, yeah, September has been busy. I've been in, I was in Paris. I came back and I'm leaving next week. So (laughs) I'm glad to have the time to talk to you and inspire people that will listen to this podcast as much as possible. I'm equally as excited. Paris is probably the number one destination on my bucket list aside from London. I've never been, but I want to go so badly. So I am so excited to hopefully next summer travel there. Fingers crossed. Great. If you need any tips or any recommendation when it comes to, well, I always say you don't need a recommendation for food in France because you can just <laughs> go on and go anywhere and it will be good. But any other recommendation, I'm always there. 
amazing. I know exactly who I'm going to contact. Well, I'm so glad our schedule is lined up and you're able to sit down and chat with us today. I'm so intrigued by your background and how you've kind of ended up where you are. So I know I gave the guests a bit of an intro and read your bio at the beginning of the episode, but I really wanted to start with who was your biggest inspiration when it comes to the luxury industry? Was there a brand that you looked up to growing up? I know obviously you grew up in Paris, which is kind of a lot of people think is like the hub of like all things luxury and fashion. So was there a specific brand or artist or visionary that growing up you kind of looked to? Um, that's a very good point. Living in Paris, you live kind of in the luxurious lifestyle without even realizing it. Uh, whether it's the, the timeliness of all the monuments around you, the quality of the food you're eating on a daily basis. I'm not one that really admire one person, but uh, rather pieces of a puzzle that makes my own identity. So I won't say there was a brand that really inspired me that I was dreaming about uh, working for and uh, buying so much, but I would say definitely I have met so many personalities that I've seen on TV or even in person. I would say Pat McGrath was one of my biggest inspirations. And I actually met her in a fashion show last year. Oh. So great, great moment. It wasn't, it was a surprise. Very happy that it happened. And uh, yeah, I've met so many personalities that really inspire the person that I am. And I think uh, as the listener will uh, discover later on, my path is odd, but I think life is also very different for everybody. So I felt like um, not having one person that represents my inspiration, but rather a plethora of different personalities and brands that inspire me on a daily basis is what represents me the best. Completely agree. And I, that's so cool that you're able to meet Pat McGrath. They have a great line and so many amazing products. Yes. And so kind of talking about your journey, you started after school in commercial banking. So what why did you choose commercial banking? Like what drew you to that industry? Was there a specific reason or did you just end up by chance being there? By chance. <laughs> um, I would say um, I was not drawn into banking. I remember when I finished my studies, I said that I would work everywhere but banking. And I eventually took a job in banking and commercial banking at that. And that's because I was really drawn into the personality of my wonderful manager that I met when I was doing the interview. The job was really focused on helping entrepreneurs understand the journey of entrepreneurship and navigating the business world and make the great connection with people uh, that they would need along the journey and eventually sell financial product at the end. So I would say it was more about connection building, relationship building, networking, and uh, mentoring entrepreneurs, and that's what really drawn me into the position that I um, that I had at the beginning. And eventually, I realized also that in my own career, it was very important to know how money moves. And uh, working in the banking industry, you learn that very quickly. And uh, yeah, so that's why I started in commercial banking. I was really drawn into the person that I uh, met along the journey of my studies and my early careers. And I stayed in it for quite a while, to be very honest. But that was, again, connection, meeting great people and uh, living with the flow and learning as much as I could what I was doing. And so what was it in commercial banking that was kind of the last straw that wanted to make you leave the industry? What pushed you over the edge to kind of start pursuing or exploring other options for your next step of your career? 
Um, so I really love the opportunity to build relationship, like I said, develop this analytical thinking and be able to connect with C leaders quite fast. But eventually uh, I felt like I was just talking about money all day long and that's, that's not really inspiring for me. I always had this creative spirit that I wasn't able to explore uh, working in the banking industry and I felt like a fraud eventually. Uh, my manager had a path for me that was pretty traced already and mm -hmm. I was drifting away from that path because I really wanted to explore other things that I felt like I felt into banking quite early uh, in my own life and I didn't have the opportunity to explore other uh, business areas like actually tech or the luxury that I like I said loved it really had this passion for beauty for not really fashion but what it transpires from fashion the confidence that you have and how you can dress up your personality into your clothing that's what I found really inspiring so eventually during the pandemic I had more time to think about my own life I felt like everybody had that time and I yeah. realized that it didn't make sense for me to continue because the next step was becoming a director or doing an MBA to become a director and then move up but basically just make more money and have more important clients that's usually how it works in banking and uh, no it didn't really make sense for me so instead of doing an MBA that would not uh, draw me any opportunities I decided to do a specialized one in uh, luxury brand management. I had the opportunity to meet someone from my school. Uh, two, no, actually the year before I, I decided to do the MBA and I was really drawn into the personality that I met, the mix between uh, luxury classes and core uh, MBA classes. So that's why I decided to jump into luxury and actually follow it. And I think it was a great timing as well because, well, bad. Well, I mean, in any bad event, you always have opportunities, the pandemic, but also the event with George Floyd, who really pushed the Black Lives Matter movement. I felt like it couldn't be an option for me to hide my fashion and to not mm -hmm. live um, authentically. So I decided that I would go into luxury only if I push diversity into the curriculum. So into my MBA, but also into whatever career I followed because I felt like it was really important for me in the banking industry. I was pushing diversity a lot, but um, it has to also align with who I was as a person. And I know the luxury industry well before because I felt like since 2020 is changing a lot, but it wasn't really diverse. It's still not as diverse, but it's better than what it was uh, in the previous year. So I really wanted to... Uh, use that momentum to come with this idea of making a career in the luxury um, industry via a diverse lens. And that's why I jumped into my MBA. There's so much you said there that I want to unpack. I want to start with, so you decide to make this change. If you were talking to a student, someone listening that is about to finish their undergrad or maybe finish their master's and doesn't really know what they want to do or feels the way you felt that you didn't have time to explore enough career paths or industries, what advice would you give you know, younger Ingrid who finished university on this uncertainty that kind of comes with that post-grad yeah. life? Uh, so that's so important, so important question. I love that you asked that. 
I would say one thing that I would love to say to all students who are listening right now, it's okay if you don't know what you want to do. To be very honest with everybody listening right now, I'm still not decided what I'm going to do next year. It always changed, and I will recommend the book uh, Becoming of Michelle Obama. That's a very important book in my career that you always becoming. It's so important because don't expect to be and always be. People change all the time. Even the CEOs that I had the opportunity to meet throughout my MBA now in my consulting career, they always reinvent themselves. So one advice that I would tell you is to not stress about what is your next move because you'll be very surprised if you talk to people who you think have ideal careers, etc. Most of the time they started with very um, simple jobs like McDonald's, fast food, stuff like that in retail. And you can use those experiences that you get in retail and in fast food to know how to deal with people, how to deal with uncertainty, how to deal with changes, all of that. So you can always build with the skills that you get no matter which job you're getting at the beginning. And it's okay if you don't know because you'll never know. <laughs> I think the more you get, the more you grow, you realize that you don't really know what you're doing, but you're kind of moving along anyway. Follow what attracts you at the moment and you'll bounce back. And the second advice I would tell everybody is if you see an interest in anything, whether it's marketing, marketing is so large, it doesn't mean anything anymore, but whether it's marketing, whether it's consulting, whether it's banking, whether whatever your interest is, try to at least podcasts are a great idea to explore the different careers that you want to do. Do something creative around it so you have a better idea of what it is before jumping into it and then specializing so much that the switch is going to be too hard for you to do. So explore it as much as you can. Write articles about it, blog posts about it, read, tweet about it, do TikToks about it. Explore it as much as you can creatively so you don't have to do it professionally and then regret and then have to switch again, even if you can always reinvent yourself. I love those pieces of advice. And I was actually listening to Gals on the Go this morning on the way to school, and they had brought up a quote in that podcast episode. And the quote was, don't be shy to embrace the person you're becoming. And I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying before, is you're always becoming, you're always evolving and changing. And I think it's okay to change and it's okay to change opinions on things that you had said earlier or to change industries that you thought you were meant to go into, but now decide you want to go into something else. And it sounds like in your experience, you met a lot of people throughout the way that kind of helped shape you. Like you said, your manager was an integral part of accepting your job as, in the bank. And then you met someone who was in doing the same MBA program that you wanted to be in. Would you say that mentors were really important throughout your career? And did you have any, do you have any tips on maybe like networking or reaching out to people um, or kind of finding mentors? Uh, finding mentors is difficult because most of the times the great mentors that I, well, the people that as, inspires me are actually not my mentors. So I feel like the, the, the relationship that you have with the mentor is so, uh, with so many guidelines that actually prevents you from really being inspired by this person. So I would say that anybody could be your mentor and it doesn't have to be a one-on-one -on -one relationship. You can just take advice from the person that really inspires you and if you really want to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with this person just send a chat on LinkedIn I know it sounds crazy I know it's very difficult but trust me that's what I've done my whole career in luxury and I don't think I've been 
I would be where I am right now without this. I had my current job right now, I had it through sending a cold uh, chat on LinkedIn. And I know a lot of people say that, and it's, it's very intimidating for people who are introverts. I'm an introvert as well. I understand how stressful it can be. You can even, to make it a bit more personal, you can even uh, record a small video. You have Loom right now. That is an app that allows you to uh, do small uh, chat, video chats, and send it to someone. So it seems a bit more personalized, and this person is more uh, eager to answer. Also, you can read the articles that the person is writing about, commenting on LinkedIn, and react to that on the, the post. And if you see a small like something, an interaction with this person, then go on the, on the DMs and try to open a conversation with this. Um, most people who don't answer, it's not because they don't care, they mean, or et cetera. They just don't know how to relate with the person who's reaching out, if you say, I really love what you're doing and I want to connect with you and you don't really say on what matter, then it's very difficult for that person to follow up. So that's, it's like you receive a compliment on the streets. Someone is saying you're really beautiful. You're going to say thank you and move on, right? You have to say something that will engage a conversation that could be meaningful for the person that you're reaching out and for yourself. So I would say definitely find uh, reasons to connect with people and don't hesitate to do it coldly on LinkedIn. People react if you give them something to react to. For sure. I think the most important part is really putting the time and effort and like you were saying, doing your research and whether that's looking at articles they've posted on LinkedIn or they've written and taking advice from there. I think doing your research is really important when meeting anyone, whether you want them to be a mentor or not, because I think it also shows that you care and that you've put the time and effort in. So I feel like people are then more likely to reciprocate that and will want to help you if you've shown that you've already put that initial effort in. Exactly. I agree. Our next partner has a product I literally use every single day. If you've been listening to the podcast for the last few months, you know I started taking Athletic Greens about three months ago because I felt that I was not getting enough vitamins and nutrients through my diet. I felt that I was really tired all the time. I wasn't sleeping very well. And so I had heard about Athletic Greens on a lot of the podcasts that I was listening to, and I'm so happy I started using it. I've been taking it for about three months now. I take it every single day and it is the best thing that I ever did and added to my morning routine. So what is it exactly? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptions to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging literally all of the things, especially right now as it's back to school season. If you're looking for something quick and easy to add to your morning routine to help with focus and energy, Athletic Greens is the perfect thing to add to your every single day. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him over $100 a day. Athletic Greens costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It has over 7,000 five-star reviews, and I am one of them. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. 
All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash business casual. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash business casual to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So moving now into your MBA experience and you start this MBA in global luxury brand management. That is that the correct term? And so what does that even mean? Like what were some of the courses you took? Like what did you learn throughout this process? I'm so curious to know like what, how long was the program? Can you tell us a bit more about like the general experience you had? Sure. This is when I've become an MBA brochure for anyone who's interested in joining. I love to do this because I met people who did that for me. And I would love to have more people involved in this MBA because I think it's a truly great experience and the, and the staff is amazing. So the school that I joined was ESSEC Business School. It's based in Paris. I think they changed the campus now. So it's really in the business center of Paris called La Défense. It's a 12-month program uh, delivered in English. So no worries for people who don't speak French. That's not an issue. Um, most students are international. I was the only French-speaking, well, wow. not only French-speaking, but only French nationally, uh, nationality in the program. Uh, everybody else was from other countries. I think it was about 20 countries represented in, the, in my class of 25. So that's... <laughs> That's a lot of different nationalities. Um, it's a small class, only five people. I think it ranges between 15 and 35. So it's really a small class, at least for the luxury part. Um, you do a lot of traveling, which is great. Uh, the second half of the MBA is really focused on traveling into uh, luxury markets. I know they're changing it a bit, but the travel is still a very important part of the MBA. And what they've and the classes, it's 50% uh, core MBA, so strategy, uh, stats, all the classes that I didn't like. <laughs> Accounting, uh, operational management, but you use this a lot, actually, in your career, so it's always great to have it. You have strategy, um, I think that's it, a lot of accounting and finance. And the other 50% is really luxury focused, so understanding the history of luxury, which is actually not that long, I would say 30 years, uh, mostly. Um, then it's a lot of meeting luxury professionals that would also teach you part of your curriculum, which is great. So uh, if, and you, then you can choose a specialization in uh, different luxury sectors. So you have uh, beauty, fashion, watches, and jewelry. Wow, that's great. so interesting. Yeah, so five. And so you're really touching on all of them. You can do all of them, which is great. We can focus on different, you can focus on fashion and beauty, you can focus on wine and spirit and watches, for instance. You can really focus on whatever you want, or you can do all of them, which I recommend because you really discover passions. I discovered a passion for wine and spirit, and I wasn't drinking before the MBA. So you really take the time to discover a lot of things. And then you, you also uh, visit a lot of uh, different luxury places, if I can say. So where they do champagne, you go to champagne and you see how they do it. And I think that's where the interest came. Uh, you see, we went to Chant... I'm allowed, I think I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> we went to where uh, the Chanel since dresses are working. So we saw them wow. really building the dresses for the Haute Couture show, which I don't think I'm allowed to say the place, the location, but I'm allowed to say we've seen them. 
Uh, we also met CEOs. We met the current CEO of uh, Burberry. We met, he was back in the day, a CEO of um, Versace. Uh, yeah, so you get a, you get the chance to meet a lot of different CEOs. It depends on obviously who's available, and we're also doing it during the pandemic, so it's a bit difficult to actually meet in person. But you get to really indulge into the the world of luxury and uh, explore what you really like about it, and then get great takeaways on how to be a great uh, luxury manager in the future. So really, that is really so cool. For someone who wants to do transition, even if they don't have a luxury background, there's not a lot that actually do it without the luxury background. But I feel very confident to say that after the MBA, you know everything you need to know in order to excel in the luxury industry. That is such a cool program. And I had no idea it even existed or was out there until I came across your profile and started learning more about the program that you did. And so did you focus on beauty and did you focus on a specific subject in your MBA or did you do all five of them? I did four. I didn't do watches and I regret today because I needed a week break. So I I said enough is enough, but in, well, if I could, I would have done everything, but I needed the break. So it is just personal reasons, but otherwise I would have done everything. And when I went into the MBA, I said I would do a, beauty specialization and I don't think I've worked in beauty after the MBA so I feel like it's great to touch everything because you never know where you're gonna end up and yeah so I I forgot to mention at the end of the MBA you have the opportunity to consult for a big luxury brand how do you the I was lucky to consult for Cutty Luxury who has 16 luxury brands uh, under their name and you have uh, Gucci and Burberry as those names. So it's really good for you to have the opportunity to have this in your resume. And uh, yeah, and eventually they always try to hire the people who consult for them. So great hiring opportunity. One of my classmates was hired. I was also offered a job, but I decided to not take it for a personal reason again. But great opportunities. A lot of them are now... Uh, a lot of my comrades are now working for those uh, companies that they're consulting for. So, yeah. Very cool. And you, throughout the MBA, started your own consulting yes. um, boutique business. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear, and I want to like say, I'm going to read out like what the what it is. So it's a consulting agency where diversity, equity, and inclusion collide with the luxury industry. So I'd love to hear like what exactly that means and maybe some of the projects you work on, you know, why, like what the inspiration was to start your own consulting agency. That's a very interesting question. It was actually not a choice, I would say. It was in my mind to do it in the longer term, but I kind of had to do it because I was receiving so many consulting opportunities that I felt like I, well, legally, I needed to have a business into which I could start uh, doing those consulting opportunities. So while you're doing the MBA, they give you projects that you can work on. And I was publishing on LinkedIn about the different projects that I was working for. And one of them, the best and first one that I was, was about fabric wrap that we've talked about. 
so full circle moment, I actually met her at the end of my MBA. But at the beginning, uh, I received a luxury project from my professor. If he listens to me, hi, <laughs> Professor Morissi. <laughs> he might, he might actually listen to that. And uh, it was uh, about brand collaboration, very aligned with the brand management uh, luxury MBA that we were actually doing. And the list of brands that we had was great, but not diverse. Let's be very honest. It was the Gucci, the Yves Saint Laurent, the Chanel, the Jaw that you used to hear uh, day in, day out. And no a black brand, no Indian brand, no Latino brand. And I feel like in 2022, you have to talk about something else than Europe. Even if it's the first project, even if you have the opportunity to go to other markets to discover other brands, let's talk about what's going on when it comes to brand collaboration in, in different countries. Mm -hmm. So I was bold enough to come to this professor and say, hey, I love what you ask us to do. But I want to do something else. <laughs> I actually want to work on um, Pat McGrath. And he was not aware of this brand, who's a billion-dollar company. And he was a CEO of a luxury brand uh, before and still not aware of this brand. So I felt at this point I had to do it because it's, it doesn't make sense that my, even my professor in luxury in the industry for about 25 years is not even aware of the existence of a billion dollar company in the luxury industry that is also from a black woman. So I started this project that completely changed the, well, I didn't change the subject. I just changed who I was working on and he, and then sent it a bit before the deadline in case he said, no, that's not what I said. <laughs> you're going to get an F and fill that class. And he loved it. He loved it so much that we started a, a podcast together about uh, diversity brands uh, in the luxury industry and how uh, they're inspired by their culture in general and how they're changing the landscape of the, uh, the luxury industry. So from there, I had other brands coming up to me and say, hey, I really want, I love your analysis on the culture that you've done on that podcast. Let's work together. So from that, I really started to open up my own a consultancy agency helping, um, uh, I would say, pretty big luxury brands understanding the culture. When I say culture, I'm mostly black culture, but culture in general, reading what's happening with Gen Z, reading what's happening in the world in different culture and how to integrate culture into your uh, brand DNA and brand codes. How do, can you express this in your brand storytelling? So that's what I've been doing so far. One of my favorite uh, projects that I had to work on was with Caring, uh, who's a luxury conglomerate. Uh, they have Gucci, they have Balenciaga, they have Saint Laurent. And I was working with them on helping black designers uh, develop their brand to another level in terms of operational needs and understanding what it means for black designers to be uh, designing and creating a business versus a white designer who has done a school, a fashion school, and then follow up those, usually those black designers, they just have an idea in mind and they sell it and they don't necessarily know how to uh, build financial statements to understand how to scale their business, so how to ask investment, etc. So I use this background that I have from the banking industry, from my MBA and my understanding of the creative world, as well as my uh, 
identity, I'm a French Caribbean, to understand them and help them scale. So that's one of the projects that I'm really proud of being part of. Well, first off, congratulations on all of your success and also like having the the guts to take that initiative and to really, I mean, I can only imagine how like nerve wracking it is, especially when you're in school and obviously like there's always like rubrics and guidelines and grading. And so going up against your professor in a way that like challenges the way that we've always thought, I think is so inspiring. So congratulations on that. And so now looking at talking about like diversity and equity and inclusion in luxury goods, and in the luxury market itself, do you think there, I'm assuming there's many ways to kind of achieve more diversity and equity in the industry. So from your experience, is it more working with brands in-house to say, you know, are we looking at different cultures? Are we working with designers from different backgrounds? Or And then in conjunction with that, are we hiring employees who have diverse backgrounds? And then with those employees, like, is there kind of a twofold way that you work with these brands? And then also working with designers to kind of approach these brands properly? Is that kind of how it works? Basically, it's a triangle. You have to reach out to those diversity designers and help them understand the white world of luxury. And then you have to talk to those brands as well to say, hey, why don't you look at other culture? It's also culture appropriation that happens a lot that has to become a culture appreciation. So recognize mm-hmm. that you're coming from another culture and uh, embrace that culture and uh, help the designers that come from that culture get their, their minutes of glory. And mm-hmm. at the same time, you have to help the hiring to grow when it comes to at least the diversity uh, in terms of race, because... The issue is most of the time they don't even understand that um, certain terms of certain practice can be very uh, predatory, I can even say, to certain culture. So having a diversity of employee helps you uh, get a full 360 view on what is culture, how do you get inspired from culture, and how do you embrace it in general. And... Looking at kind of the next three to five years, I know it's so hard to predict things or like know where the industry is going, but do you think that potentially as we come out of the pandemic, and I know there's a lot of talk about inflation and like a recession, not to be the bearer of like bringing up a recession, but how do you kind of see that shaping your work or the luxury industry? Do you think it's, I mean, from my point of view, I think it could kind of present a whole new kind of like a start fresh of like where we're at in luxury and like reinventing and rethinking. And I think even with like Web3 and NFTs and how that is coming in with like beauty and fashion and the luxury goods. Um, So I'd just love to hear your take and your thoughts on where you think kind of the next three to five years might look like. Very difficult to define the three to five years, but I can tell you 2022 and 2023. (laughs) Because 2022, uh, the luxury market really uh, rebound back to 2019, which was... Mm -hmm expected but not to this degree so very good news for the luxury industry i would say that it's an industry that is uh, based on dreams and experiences so uh, for the experience it was a bit difficult for luxury brands to really curate to the level that they do when there's no mask when there's no uh, staying at home etc but the white glove service is now back on track during the pandemic they developed a lot of services that could be accessed online was so therefore your customer service could be 
yeah, WhatsApp, unfortunately, it's not the same level of white glove, but you still have this caring attention from uh, the staff that you usually have in store that is still here. So I would say that it has developed so many tools during the pandemic mm -hmm. that would be useful for any recession. So that's very good because now the brands are prepared not to, a no, to a level that they wouldn't have been prepared if it wasn't for the pandemic. So in terms of that, uh, the, the, the market in general for the luxury industry quite uh, recession-proof. And because customers are a bit, when it comes to the income, it's a bit more elevated than the regular consumers that you have in mass market. They are also less reliant on uh, the, the different prices that you can have in the economic uh, conjecture. So that's pretty good in that sense. However, when it comes to the medium uh, class that usually love to uh, consume their, their luxury lipstick, we have this lipstick index that we're talking about in the luxury industry. When there's a recession, the lipstick uh, sales go up. Well, it happened also in 2022, so it seems like the recession is real. Uh, but yes, most of them are recession-proof. Most of them will be fine. They won't have the growth that it was predicted in 2019, 2020, because there's a recession and it will affect the right. middle class, but not most. I would say the, the huge bunk of the luxury industry is mostly the very high class. They consume about 70 to 80% of consumption in the luxury industry, and they will still continue to consume. So the, the consumption has shifted more into which country is actually getting the gains rather than if the gains is still happening. The consumption okay. was very based in Europe. Now with the war and the recession that happened during the pandemic, uh, less people are coming to Europe to buy. And... Luxury brands have moved a lot in Asia, especially in China. So I feel like the consumption will be very focused in China in the coming years. But uh, I don't think it will slow down because of the recession. Well, that's great news for anyone in the luxury industry. And obviously, if you're planning on potentially exploring that MBA that we were talking about earlier, great news for you. Another question that just came into my mind, I'd love to know your thoughts on the um, secondhand market. I know it's not necessarily relevant for all luxury goods um, and like consignment, because obviously that's something that's coming up very quickly in a market like vintage and shopping secondhand. Do you think that will disrupt the industry at all? I think it's going to change the industry for sure. I feel like uh, it's a market has been happening anyway when it comes to watches, when it comes to jewelry, mm -hmm. general, uh, very, very developed. And it was more of a shush -sh market, I would say, than uh, open uh, book market. Now that uh, we have so many apps are developed to uh, offer secondhand market, I think it's great opportunities for any uh, luxury buyers who are into uh, investment. So buying bags to sell back uh, those bags, it will be easier for them. I see great opportunities to make money out of this uh, mm -hmm. market for consumers as well as companies because now instead of being a a private cell that won't be controlled. First of all, they offer authentication. You can also integrate because we talked about it, the servers, the NFT, you can now integrate uh, NFTs to have the traceability and also transfer the, the identity of the seller from one buyer to the seller to the bag. So it's easier to uh, authenticate uh, for the people who buy uh, whatever they buy, <laughs> it's a bag, a shoe, shoe uh, a dress. It'll be easier to know whether it's a real one or not. 
and it'll be uh, easier as well for the logistics because that operational management is really important in the luxury industry. Uh, finding ways to provide this white glove service, so fast delivery, uh, seamless as well for the client is, is critical and those apps will help when it comes to that. So I think it's a huge opportunity. I'm glad that a lot of uh, e-resellers uh, are now considering it. You have the Farfetch, Vestir Collective, French, and also very based on, on that. You have the real reals who are all jumping into this trend. And I feel like uh, it's a great opportunity. They're right to do so. And I think more and more brands will jump into it. We now even see mass brands like PLT embracing it. Not sure about that. But I think it's a, it's a great thing for the environment in general, and it's necessary to for the brands because it brings money. Yeah, no, it's so interesting. I love hearing your take on it because I wasn't sure if it would be something that hurts the industry or supports the industry. I think it's also great. It also makes it a lot more accessible as well for a lot of, uh, no matter where you are in the world. So, so interesting to hear. Well, I've so enjoyed our conversation. We'll finish up with our last question, our stable question here on the Business Casual which is what is one piece of advice that you want to leave listeners with that you wish you knew when you started your career or that you've been given throughout that's really stuck with you? I would say that is it's never too late to reinvent yourself. You're always becoming. We talked about it. That's something that really resonates with me because so many times I was thinking, I wish I knew that before. I wish I entered the luxury industry when I started my career. I wish I didn't come to this school and didn't do this move, etc. But all those moves that you're doing are always going to help you further in your career, the people that you met. It's even sometimes it's someone who's selling you the bread, whose cousin is actually working in the dream company you don't even know. So it's create those connections and don't be afraid to reinvent yourself because the greatest leader of this world have never uh, dreamed of becoming the people that they are right now. And you don't even know who you're going to become at the end. Uh, I would say students in general, you're young. Don't worry. Life will be fine. I know it's it's very roaring because there's a lot of big events happening right now in our lifetime. But don't worry. I'll continue to happen and life will be fine. Uh, if the job you have right now is not your dream job, that's okay. Continue to share your creativity on social media in general. Uh, don't hesitate to reach people even me you can reach out to me if you want if you want any advice on the luxury industry and because i i do a lot of mentorship i love it uh to share my advice so anybody who's interested in the luxury industry don't hesitate to contact me uh with of course a question that i can answer not just uh, hey i love what you're doing because i don't really know what to answer to that but don't hesitate you can always reinvent yourself and don't be scared everything will be fine Thank you so much, Ingrid, for sharing all of your wisdom. And it was such a pleasure learning more about your career. We wish you the best of luck with your future endeavors and obviously your, your business. And we hope to hear from you again soon on the Business Casual. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.